Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, I'm so thankful that I fell in love with him. But I'm grateful that he loved me. When I didn't know how to love him, he was able to reach down to where I was at and give me an everlasting love that lasts for all eternity. And there is just nobody like the Lord today. Davis in the 18th Psalm, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. He's my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust. He's my buckler. He's the horn of my salvation. He's my high tower. And I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. He's worthy of every praise I can offer to him. Worthy of every hallelujah, of every hand clap, of every triumphant shout of victory. And what a joy it is to be back at Hatch Bend. We love all of you so very much. Uh, last week we were ministering in Ohio in the snow and the ice and I think it was one degree when we got up last Sunday morning. So we're excited to be back in Florida now. Uh, we love all of you so very much. Give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd. Appreciate their dedication to the kingdom of heaven. And didn't our Brother Chris do an amazing job in Sunday school? Wow. What a phenomenal message that spoke to my heart. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. And we're going to begin at the 17th verse, and we're going to read down to verse number 20, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. What a wonderful presence of the Lord that is already in the sanctuary. He's moved in every aspect of this service. He's anointed the musicians and the singers from every word that's been spoken, every prayer that's been prayed, and I know he's going to speak to us from his word. Second uh, Corinthians 5 and 17, the scripture tells us this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation." Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. I want to focus our attention here on the 17th verse. Paul is penning the words, and 
He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Aren't you thankful that old things are passed away? And all things are become new. I want to preach to us today on this subject, the eulogy of the old man. The eulogy of the old man. Can we lift our hands high to heaven? Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we feel your presence already in this place. God, we're asking now that you would speak to every heart. Lord, would you minister to every soul? Do what only you can do. God, we praise and thank you in advance for what's getting ready to come to pass in this service and on this day. And we give you all praise, give you all glory, give you all honor in the name that's above every other name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, down through the years, mankind has an uncanny ability to constantly and consistently find themselves in problems and predicaments that regardless of our upbringing, our background, our origin, or our family history, we all fight the same battles. It's the battle of the flesh and our carnal nature that always tends to rise up. It was Romans 8 chapter and the 6th verse that says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He went on to say a carnal mind is enmity against God. Yet this is not a new problem. But from the very beginning of humanity, there has been this ongoing struggle at play. Even from the very beginning, when God created the world and spoke the universe into existence, when he hung the planets in orbit and named every star, when he made the trees grow green and the flowers bloom beautiful, when he made the sun shine bright and the moon glow white, the pinnacle of his creation is when he reached down into the dirt and to the dust and formed man and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Then man became a living soul. And with that living soul, God put him in a perfect paradise. It was an ideal situation, a place that was so sublime and serene. It was an environment where there was no hurt, no hatred, no hostility. It was a place where there were no mishaps, no misery, and no misfortune. It was utterly remarkable, this paradise that man had been given by God himself. But even though with all of the sublime surroundings and the beauty and the majesty and the splendor, yet mankind still fell into sin. Anything and everything you could want, and yet man still found themselves in trouble. 
this has been a struggle from the very onset. And as odd as it may sound, I can actually find a little comfort in knowing that man fell. Because if man can mess up when everything is perfect, then how much more can we get ourselves in trouble when things are not perfect? Huh? It's almost refreshing to know that there's been others before us that have had trouble navigating through this thing called life. That long before you and I were ever born or thought of, there were men who were trying to overcome stubborn tendencies. And it's nice to know that I'm not the first person to ever mess up trip up or goof up a friend of mine you and I are not the first ones to feel like we're breaking down shutting down or falling down but long before us there have been those that have come before and found themselves in the same exact situations but yet we don't have to look to the left or look to the right and wonder who it is that has sinned among us because Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Somebody said, I'm just looking for the perfect church. You're going to look a long time because the church is made up of imperfect people, uh, individuals that have stumbled along the way, those that you and I together have our own faults and flaws and failures. Huh? Uh, we read through the scriptures and find in the book of Job, the 14th chapter and the first verse said that man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Psalm 51 and 5, David said, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. We have to watch ourselves constantly because we can get into trouble without any help from the adversary, without any assist from the enemy, without any kind of help from the devil himself. We ourselves can get in a pickle because you begin to follow your heart. It can lead you down the wrong path. The prophet said in Jeremiah 17 and 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if we would just begin to list the mistakes that I have made, I'll be the first one to say I don't want my record to be read in front of everybody. Uh, times that I lost my cool, times that I've said things that I've regretted. And if we would raise the bar and begin to list the mistakes of every individual in the sanctuary. If we were to write down in a record book every time that we've lost our cool, every time that we've committed an action that we look back now and wish we would have never made, we could spend years listing all of our failures. We could spend years listing all our blunders and all our errors and all of our mistakes. But yet the exact, exact opposite holds true when it comes to God. That even though we could spend hours and hours and hours listing our sins, it doesn't take long to list all the mistakes that God has made. 
He's the one that's never made a mistake. He's never fallen. He's never come short. He's never looked back with some kind of regret about all the mistakes that he has made. No, God operates in ways that we cannot operate. We are finite, but God is infinite. We are mortal, but God is immortal. We are limited in our capability, but he is unlimited in his power. God does not lie, deceive, or mislead. God is never corrupt, vicious, or ugly. God is never inappropriate, incorrect, or inaccurate. God is not unfair, unethical, or unrighteous. But I'll tell you what he is. He is up front. He is upright, and he is upstanding. God is kind and considerate and compassionate and caring. God is pure and perfect, and he's powerful. He is honest. He is humble. He is holy. He is loyal. He is long-suffering, and he is loving. He is so impartial. He is so unbiased that he will show grace, and he will show mercy to the unworthy. He will show mercy to the unsuited, to the unfit, to the undeserving, to the unqualified. He is so full of compassion. He is so patient and long-suffering that he'll find somebody with a list of problems a mile long. He'll find somebody with an attitude issue. He'll find somebody with so many problems that you can spend years listing all of them. And he will still show his love, still show his compassion, still show his mercy and his grace. Oh, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that God saw me in all of my issues. God saw me in all of my shortcomings, and yet he saw fit to extend grace to me. He still loved me when I was unlovable. He cared for me when nobody else cared. He believed in me in my lowest moment. That's the God that we serve today. That's the God that you and I uh, worship and praise and lift up the name of the Lord. And I just have to wonder if even just for a moment while the apostle was writing this letter to the Corinthian church, if he reached the 17th verse and paused and maybe laid down his pen sat back in his lazy boy and reached for an ice cold Dr. Pepper. I'm not sure, but if he just got nostalgic thinking about the way he used to live and the life that he was living at that particular time. I wonder if he thought to himself, there was a day I thought I knew everything. There was a day I thought I had it all together that I, but little did I realize I was full of contempt. I was full of hate. I was full of pride and arrogance. And I thought I really knew everything there was to know, but yet God saw something in me. Even though I was going down the wrong path, even though I was headed to destruction, even though I was on the forefront to a life of misery, yet I was walking down a Damascus road and a light began to shine. 
And when this light began to shine, my vision was taken from me. And in just one moment, everything began to change. See, I'm so thankful that God can change us in just one moment. He can take a life that has no desire to be right. He can take someone that has no uh, longing to be saved, no hunger to live for him. But in one moment, God can reach down with his hands of mercy. Somebody said, no, nah, they're too far gone. No, no, don't underestimate how far God will go. Uh, somebody said, ah, they've messed up too many times. They've come back and they left. They've come back and they left. Don't ever discount how far God will go for just one soul. He told the disciples in Luke 15, the true shepherd will leave the 99 and look for the one that is lost. That true shepherd will leave the one safe at home and he'll go searching for the one that has went wayward, the one that has gone astray, the one that's in danger and in a predicament that could threaten them. Even though Saul had done so much damage, even though he lived the polar opposite of a Christian life, God saw something inside this man and began to shine his light down on him. And here Saul now is blinded. He can't see, doesn't know where to go or what the next step is. And tells those that are nearest to him, we, we just need to wait here for a little while before I can figure out what to do next. Little did he know that on the other side of town there was a man by the name of Ananias and Ananias was in prayer. And while he was in prayer, God began to speak to him. I can almost envision it happening as Ananias is in his prayer closet talking to the Lord like he had done so many other times before. Uh, feeling the presence of the Holy Ghost, feeling the touch of the Spirit. Now he's almost knowing for sure, for certain, God's about to speak to him. And he's opening his heart. He's opening his soul. He's opening his mind. All right, God, what is it that you want me to do? Where is it that you want me to go? Who is it that you want me to pray for? Finally, the voice comes back and says, well, I want you to go pray for a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He just stands there almost baffled. What? Your GPS broken today. I'm not sure what's going on. God, I want to make sure I heard you right. I want to make sure I got it clearly. But you want me to go and pray for Saul of Tarsus? That man is dangerous, to say the very least. That man is so evil. He's vile. He's wicked. Do you know what he has done to your people? He has thrown preachers in jail. He has cast Christians down to prison. He's destroyed our churches. He's wrecked our synagogues. He has ruined our services. Do you know who it is that you want me to go and pray for? 
this doesn't make any sense. Maybe you picked the wrong person. God, maybe you selected the wrong suitor. Maybe you chose the wrong candidate because I just don't know if I can go to where he is at. I'm just not sure if I have enough inside of me to go and lay my hands on that man's head because I know what he has done in the past. Isn't that just like the Lord? He uses us to reach people that you know have done wrong. He knew without a shadow of a doubt. He knew without any question and without any reservation that Saul has killed some of his friends. Saul has thrown some of his closest buddies in jail. The sum of the synagogues that Ananias had preached in some of the pastors that he had preached for. This man was the one that ruined them. This is the one that messed with them. And now God is telling you to go and pray for that individual. Standing there just shocked and stunned. And finally, God begins to speak again in Acts 9 and 15. And he tells Ananias, he says, Ananias, he is a chosen vessel unto me. I know this would not be the man you would choose, but it's the man I would choose. And I'm so appreciative that God doesn't go by my opinion. Huh. If I had to select who I wanted, I would pick the wrong people. But God sees what others can't see. He told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, he said, look not on their countenance or on the height of their stature because I have refused him. For man seeth not as God sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. We judge by what we see on the outside. We judge by talent and ability and education. We judge by lifestyles and big houses and nice cars. We judge by degrees that hang on the wall, but God doesn't operate like that. God looks on the inside. I'm so happy that God saw past my exterior and saw something on the inside of me. He could have dismissed me. He could have threw me away. He could have tossed me to the side, but yet he saw something in me. Ananias is standing there and says, okay, I don't know how this is going to go, but I will do what you called me to do. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's getting ready to transpire. Don't know what's fixing to take place, but I'll go and I'll pray for that man. Not long ago, I was ministering at a particular church and uh, somewhere between California and New York. I'll just leave it like that. And we had a fantastic service on Sunday. And so we went out to eat and sit down at the restaurant and we're enjoying a delicious meal and the pastor gets a phone call. And I'm just sitting to the side for a few minutes and finally he gets off the phone. He says, well, brother... I I, I really need to go and pray for a couple in the church. And he said, if it be okay, would you mind going and praying with me for this family? I said, well, sure. He said, I just want to give you a little heads up. They're not real solid in church. As a matter of fact, it sounds like they've been doing some drinking. 
So I don't really know what we're walking into. So, okay, doesn't matter. We go, I'll pray with you. Have you ever gotten in the car and you had a feeling in the pit of your stomach that says, what are you getting ready to do? It was like red flags are going off in my mind here. And so we go to the house and we knock on the door and I'm standing there beside the pastor and the door yanks open. And there's a woman standing there and she's got a black eye and busted lip and blood trickling down her face. And she said, you got to help me right now. He's trying to kill me. And I look over and here's this great big brother that stands up, six foot six and 300 and 300, well, 300 none of your business pounds and He's standing there and he says, oh, you lying to the man of God now. I just looked at the pastor and said, this is your show, brother. I'll follow your lead on this. <laughs> so we walked in and he's trying to calm everybody down and says, well, why, why don't we just sit at the table for a minute and let's talk. And So the four of us, we sat down at the kitchen table and She's to my left and the pastor's to my right and this gentleman's in front of me and I'm sitting there and he's talking and in the service that night I'd preached a little bit about Adam and Eve and so he's talking and finally he looks at me and he says, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, I don't care about Adam and Eve. I said, oh, Okay. He said, matter of fact, I don't even care for your preaching. Oh, he said, actually, I don't even really care for you. He said, I think I'll just beat you to death with my bare hands. Hey, I don't wait for the pastor's permission. I said, it's time for prayer. We weren't going to wait for the show to start. I knew that unless God comes down, we're going to have a situation on our hands. And would you believe I really started praying too. I didn't wait. I didn't pull any punches. We just started praying and calling on the name of the Lord. And would you believe that God began to move in that living room and in that kitchen? And this man started to break down and started to cry and weep. And when all was said and done, he was apologizing for everything he said. I didn't dismiss the fact that I got myself in a situation I didn't know how to get out of it. And I just kind of got a feeling that when Ananias had a visitation from the Lord and God said, you go pray for Saul, if he was expecting the absolute worst, if he was prepping himself, how's he going to react? He might not even want me to pray for him. What am I going to do if I walk in and they arrest me? What am I going to do if they just surround me and begin to whip me? If they begin to beat me and uh, tear me up, what, what am I going to do then? All the while, this, this mind is racing 100 miles an hour. Thoughts are flooding through his thought process. What's going to happen? Uh, what's, going to, what's going to transpire? But he comes and knocks on the door. Door opens and he goes in to where Saul is laying, still blind, still unable to see. 
the very first words out of the mouth of Ananias in Acts 9 and 17. He says, Brother Saul, Jesus has sent me. I love that. He hadn't been baptized yet. He hadn't got the Holy Ghost. He hadn't been a member. He hadn't joined the church. And yet Ananias said, Brother Saul, he was just going and claiming him. He said, hey, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but you're already my brother. You're already my servant in Christ. I'm already claiming you as part of the family of God. Oh, what would happen if we just started claiming people? You already my brother. You already my sister. I know you haven't got everything else down yet. I know you're still working on your talk and your walk and your dress. I know that you still got a long way to go, but you're my brother now. Ananias said, Brother Saul, Jesus has sent me. And you're going to receive your sight. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And all he did was begin to pray. And would you know that the Holy Ghost started coming right there. Sometimes God comes at the most inopportune times. He comes when people are broken. He can really work when people are down. Uh, he can really touch somebody when they don't have anywhere else to go. And Ananias began to pray and the Holy Ghost began to fall. And in a moment, instantaneously and immediately, his eyes were opened up and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he was filled with the Holy Ghost, he said, well, I guess I know what I need to do. I guess I need to be baptized. See, when you really have an experience with the Lord, you don't want to wait one day. You don't want to wait to the next Sunday. You can't wait for Easter. You can't wait for a special service. When God starts to draw you, when God starts to speak to you, when God starts to minister to you, I can't wait one more day. I can't wait one more hour. I'm ready now to be baptized. Verse 17 was Ananias' prayer. Verse 18, he was baptized in Jesus' name. And in verse number 20, just two verses later, we find that Saul is in the synagogue and he is preaching Christ. Now, you have to know that when Saul was preaching, there had to be people there that said to themselves, who is this man? This is not the same guy that we dealt with before. This is the one that ruined our services. He closed us down. This is the one that wrecked our churches. This is the one that threw us in jail. This is the one that persecuted the Christians. This is the one that took our lives. This is the one that mocked us and ridiculed us and slandered us. But now he's up and he's in the synagogue and he's preaching to us Jesus. I'm just under the assumption that when Paul was up preaching, he said, I got to give you the eulogy of the old man. I'm not Saul any longer. I'm not walking down the path to destruction anymore. I'm not trying to stop the church. I'm trying to build the church. I'm not trying to eliminate preachers. I'm coming to mentor preachers. I'm not coming to wave the white flag of surrenderance, but I'm coming after the enemy. I'm coming after the devil himself. 
I tried to stop it, but this was unstoppable. I tried to stop Jesus in my own way, but it happened to be on a Damascus road. I understood firsthand that you can't stop what God has blessed. You can't stop what God has anointed. You can't stop what God has destined. There's been others that before him tried to stop. The Pharisees tried to stop him, but they couldn't trap him. The Sadducees tried, but couldn't outsmart him. Politicians tried, but couldn't outwit him. Crowds tried, but couldn't sway him. Society tried, but couldn't confuse him. Crowds tried, but couldn't sway him. Pilate tried, but couldn't judge him. The devil tried, but couldn't destroy him. Death tried, but couldn't kill him. The grave tried, but couldn't hold him I can hear a Paul saying who am I to think I'm going to stand in between you and Christ I'm preaching to you today that I'm not the man I was before I once was blind, but now I see I once was in darkness, but now I'm in the light I once was bound up, but now I'm blessed. Somebody here today, you can testify with the apostle and say the old man has been buried. I'm giving you the eulogy of the old man. I once was addicted, but now I'm anointed. I once was full of hate, but now I'm full of happiness. I once was hooked, but now I'm holy. I once was drowning in despair, but now I'm dancing in celebration. I once was suffering. I once was sinking in sin, but now I'm shouting from the top of my voice uh, with everything I have. Oh, the old songwriter said, if you would have known me before I knew him, you would know the reason why I love him. Paul began to preach it with every fiber of his being. He began to declare it with every ounce of energy. He began to announce it with every breath that's in his body. You don't have to stay in the same condition. You don't have to live the same way you always lived. There is a better way. There is a higher way. There is a holier way. There's a way you can be free from sin. You can be free from addiction. You can be free from depression. You can be free from sorrow. You can be free from the cares of life, from the burdens of the world. There's a eulogy that has to be written. There's a eulogy that has to be spoken that I'm not going back to the way it used to be. I'm not going back to the old lifestyle. I'm not going back to the old habits. I'm not going back to the old friends, to the old stomping grounds, the old old man is gone and now there's a new creature in Christ Jesus. Oh, somebody ought to lift your hands to the Lord for a moment. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hey, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. The music's getting ready to come. I'm not going to be too much longer. But I knew where I was at when the Lord found me. I was in a state of disrepair and dysfunction. I was so debilitated. I felt like I couldn't move forward. 
And I know I may may have shared it with you before, but I remember what I was doing in the basement of a drug dealer's house, addicted to every drug you can imagine, sold every drug there was to sell, but yet God began to reach for me. I don't know why. The song said, I don't know why he loved me. I don't know why he cared. But I'm so glad that he did. And he reached for me time and time again till finally after the third time, I couldn't stay there any longer. Went to the upstairs of the house, found a room nobody was in, shut the door, locked it, started praying best I knew how to pray. Prayed, didn't feel really anything. I can still remember asking him, God, if you're real, would you let me know somehow, some way? Went over to the edge of the house, looked out the window, saw the clouds in the sky. Nothing magical, nothing mystical, just the clouds in the sky. But all of a sudden, I began to feel something come from the top of my head down to the sole of my feet. I never felt that in cocaine, never felt that in crystal meth, never felt that in marijuana, never felt that in alcohol. God, I'm going to pray again. And there in that house, God on my knees, I started praying, started speaking in a different language, started speaking in another language. Come to find out I was speaking in tongues. I had gotten the gift of the Holy Ghost. I, I can almost see it now. Saul's laying on the bed. If you're real, God, you got to let me know. Hey, here come a knock on the door. Woo! And it was mercy knocking at the door. Uh, Ananias could have dis- dismissed him. Ananias could have looked past him. He could have held all his baggage against him. He could have held every mistake he had ever made over his head. But instead, Ananias came and said, you don't have to stay blind. You don't have to stay in that condition. Hey, brother, you don't have to stay that way forever. And today, if you're struggling, you don't have to stay there by yourself. You've never been baptized. This is the day you can be baptized never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, this can be the day you receive the Holy Ghost. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you feel like the old man is trying to resurface. You got to write the eulogy and say it again. I'm not going back. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost to speak to somebody. I'm not going back. I know what the end result is. I know what the world gives you. They give you an empty bag. They, they sell you a bill of goods, but don't deliver on the promise. You're left in loneliness. You're left with disappointment. You're left with sorrow. You're left feeling empty, and nothing in the world can fill the void. But when you're a new creature in Christ... There is something that the world can't give and the world can't take away. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's peace that passes all understanding. It's a love, it's a feeling that you can belong. I I feel like I belong in the church. I feel like I'm part of the body of Christ. I feel like I'm family because you are. You are in the family of God. 
Well, I wonder today as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, as the music begins to play softly, the old man can be gone, and you don't have to let him come back. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you can go down in that watery grave, have your sins washed away. And today, if you've already been baptized, you don't have to let the old man resurface. You don't have to let the old habits try to sneak back in. Old bitterness and anger, hatefulness trying to sneak into your heart. You don't have to let that live because if you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things, old things are passed away and all things can become new. Oh, would you open your heart with me for a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm praying today from the front to the back and from the left to the right. God, you know every battle that's being fought. You know every crisis and every circumstance that we are facing. You know every situation that we are dealing with. Lord, I'm praying that on this day, on this Sunday at the close of February, you would begin to wrap your arms of love around us. God, let that love begin to sink in. That love that is rich and sweet. The love that is pure and perfect. The love that is so holy, it wraps us in everlasting arms. Oh, hallelujah. Could you stand with me all across the house? Is there somebody today you would like to spend a few moments in prayer? Would you like to step out of where you're standing and tell the Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you saw me. God, I'm not over it yet. It may have been years ago, but I'm not over it yet. You saw me, and I'm forever indebted to you. You gave me what I did not deserve. You gave to me what I was not worthy to receive. Hallelujah. You gave me something money could not buy. Hallelujah. God, today I want to let you know one more time. God, I've got to let you know all over again. I, I'm so appreciative. I'm so grateful that you saw me in my state and you saw something in me. Hallelujah. Woo, somebody else, would you like to come and pray? The altar's open. Hallelujah. Would you spend just a few moments letting God know, I love you today, Jesus. From the bottom of my heart, from the depths of my soul, from my innermost being, I give myself to you. Hallelujah. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.